is Coworking with Tom Lewis. Weekly discussion and debate about all things co-working. Hello and welcome to another Cowork Inc. podcast. This is the sixth in a series of 5,000, um, which will continue in the new year. Um, still talking about workspaces, still talking about the future of work. Um, and we seem to be getting more and more listeners every time we do one of these. So thank you if you've joined us recently. Uh, thank you if you've been there since the start. I've got a guest here today. Um, his name is Tom Ball. I'm hello. Sh- well, hello. Um, I mentioned him in the last podcast um, as he'd won, uh, what was it, co-working space of the planet, of, of, the, of, of Britain at least. Yes, co-working brain of Britain. Um, and he's the founder of, uh, of Near Desk, uh, which is uh, described as oyster cards for desk space. Is that right? Yep, yeah, oyster cards, yep. not nectar cards. Um, and is also the founder of Desk Lodge in Bristol, soon to be elsewhere. You can talk about that in a bit if you want. Um, which is a uh, which is the aforementioned co-working hub of the decade, year, yeah. century. Um, so that's Tom, and he's here, and we're going to talk about um, what are we going to talk about? Commuting, we said it. Wouldn't we, commuting sounds a bit dry and boring. What, what are we going to talk well, about? It's, it's the biggest solvable problem of our generation, I reckon. Is uh, is the is the is the time that we waste every morning going to an office to send emails, and it's it's part of the co-working trend. It's I not was, just about freelancers. I was going to make a joke about alongside global warming then but i guess it's relevant isn't it yeah Yeah. so um i know that your passion is helping people to work closer to home well no just yeah describe exactly what it is your how you describe that so that our our mission so so two hats so near desk is as you say is the oyster card for desk space um and that started me thinking years ago about the madness of commuting um, and we joke, it sounds like a, like a silly problem, but when uh, O2 worked out 52% of all of the carbon they generated was their own staff getting to work in the morning. Um, and I just started imagining us explaining to our grandchildren how we used to travel to the same office every single morning, and then when we got there, we'd send emails. Um, and it just m- would make more sense. So I, I just started thinking about what we now call co-working. But I was just imagining a building above the village pub where you'd walk in and you'd work near home, but not sat in your pyjamas at home. So do you think, if you think about, um, I mean, it's a long time since I was at work, as in a proper, a proper <laughs> job, <laughs> which yeah. is the symptom of why this, this thing called co-working is, is getting so big. So many people like me, but I, I used to telecommute. That was the thing in the 90s. It was all about yeah. telecommuting. Do you think that telecommuting, um, which effectively was working from home with a, with a desk set up as if you were sitting at your office... Do you think that ever really worked? And if not, why not? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, as you say, it, there's a complex mix. I, I think of it slightly differently in terms of there being... Someone gives you a magic wand, and so here's a magic wand, you can work anywhere in the world. And you say, boss, that's wonderful. Can I work anywhere? He goes, ah, oh, actually, no, you can sit home in your pyjamas, or you can come to the office an hour and a half away. So if you can work anywhere, why can't you go to Croatia for a month and work there? Why can't you work just wherever you ha- happen to be that day? So I, th- I, I think that it's going to be near home is, yeah. is the missing bit. And for me, working at home works for some people some other time. But I go, I go pretty mad pretty quickly. So like going to the gym is a good thing, but you don't do it 10 hours a day. This is Coworking with Tom Lewis. So how do you, we've talked in the past about, um, uh, and I'm, quite interested in the concept of corporates getting into co-working and I read that um, HSBC's moved a load of its staff into WeWork in I think it's in Moorgate 
So they've moved, they're a bank, obviously, they're very security conscious, yep. um, as a lot of corporates are, and they've moved their staff into a shared office environment. Now, I know the shared office environments and shared office environments, so it's not like they're going to sit everybody um, in an open co-working space, but how do you think our industry is going to address the, not necessarily the, the um, web security issues, which could be solved with VPNs and that kind of thing, but with the, the kind of social and ethical stroke you know, customer data and that kind of thing. How's that, how does that going to be? Well, I'm not, a shared workspace doesn't just mean everyone sat around a kitchen table. So as you say, if you're, if you're sat there processing mortgage forms, you're going to have to be somewhere where people can't see over your shoulder. And if you're doing a big deal, you're going to have to be in a room where people can't hear you. But you can have all of those things inside a co-work space. So I think we'll see more and more products, more and more different types of furniture, more and more different types of environment. And just because you're an accountant doesn't mean you've got to live in a boring office so i think we'll see we'll see more choice and, and then corporates can choose it because they've got their biggest thing they talk about is talent how do you hang on to talent if if it's boring yes and i guess it's one of those one of the reasons i'm asking is we are working out where we sit on the spectrum of workspace um from the from the basic sit under one roof with no walls and everybody you know chooses a desk in the morning and people tend to work for themselves and in small teams and at the other end you've got the the, um, the traditional serviced office and I guess it's just wondering where traditionally um, a serviced office would be wouldn't be somewhere that that corporates would choose you guys a corporate would would want to go into its own space effectively yep so I'm just trying to work out in my head what it is the difference. Um, certainly to, to market these spaces when you go to a corporate why they would go to a, uh, a co-working space as opposed to just setting up their own office or going to a going to a traditional serviced office how do you sort of combine the two so yeah no I, I agree the um yeah, we couldn't th- I think there was cupboards off corridors if you go to a lot of serviced offices you kind of you don't bump into someone from another company and if you bump into them in the little tea point you both apologize to each other so it's co-working space like the guild are kind of the opposite end of that where it's all about the community and the central spaces and I think that's the product that people are buying they want to be around that common space and sort of all the good bits of a Starbucks that you can you can bump into people um, but then to have the best of both worlds and have a little private space on the side of it, it'd be like if you could have an office literally in Starbucks. I mean, that's that's almost, <laughs> to me, the, the perfect combination. So you've got your own private desk, you've got a door you can shut, you've got your own space, and you've got access to buzz and people and that intangible, just just that, that, that you know, bouncing out of bed in the morning. So what's the ideal... Um scenario for you if you thought of your ideal customer who's maybe a bit decentralized um they have a a headquarters but they have you know a number of different members sorry a number of different employees um working together at um near desk locations how could you see that working um in terms of management in terms of uh sort of line management and that kind of thing do you you see this already are you seeing sort of disparate teams working in several of your locations at once yeah, yes, yes. It, it took it's taken a long time to have enough. Like, so we've got over three hundred locations now. So there are there are locations near a lot of people, um, and basically, if you think what a building is, why do companies have a big building? Why do they have an office? Um, and it's it's a crude way of doing quite a lot of things. If I'm a really bad manager, but you're sat next to me, I can see when you get in. I can vaguely see what you're doing. I can I can I can get away with being a bad manager. If you're remote, then somehow I've got to do the cultural thing of making us all feel like one team. I've got to um, I've got to manage you and, and sort of, you know, etc. Uh, apparently, they did a study and they worked out that the key to managing 
flexible people well is exactly the same as managing people sat next to you well. Yep. So it, you, you do need to up, up the level of management. Um, so we think one of the biggest barriers is that most middle managers are accidental. I've had, um, there's, a, yeah. there's a story I heard about uh, management's like a doner kebab. Nobody goes out on a fr- most people don't go out on a Friday night desperate for, for a doner kebab. You go out for one quick beer after work and then a second and then before you know it, it's two in the morning and you've got a kebab. For a lot of people, management's a bit like that. They didn't go out to be a manager, they went to be an accountant, and they became a senior accountant. And before they knew it, they ended up managing people. And so we've ended up with a lot of accidental managers, and and it's harder to manage remote people without having been taught and supported in that. So uh, back back to the the question, the the thread about about people working remotely. Um, The average commute in the UK is eight and a half hours a week. And when people have, have had a job that let them work flexibly and not have to do that, it's inc- almost impossible to go back to choosing that commute. So I, I think firms, there'll be two types of firms, people that, that offer it and attract the best talent and people that don't and, and get what's left. So whereas at the moment it's a bit wacky and a bit strange and, and people aren't really offering flexible working. I mean, you can work at home on a Friday isn't exactly the most exciting exciting thing that companies could offer this is co-working with tom lewis one of the things i find quite interesting is we we canvassed so obviously as you mentioned we're at the guild we're a bit little bit at the other end of the spectrum and that we tend to be um smaller individual companies um we don't have as much of the the sort of corporate side of things but one of the things i've noticed here and our members tell us is that even if they don't come here that often they um they like the fact that they can meet their clients here because they don't want to yep. meet their clients at home. And I kind of wonder about, in terms of corporates using co-working, which is you know what we're talking about in terms of if you have a big company and you want your, your, to reduce commuting time, then how clients would see that company. Well, it's in, in the past, especially with big corporates, they want to have these huge headquarters and it's all you know big statues and big atriums and lots of willy waving and you know look how look how successful we are. Do you think that's that would be diminished in any way or do you think people are going to start to understand that this is the way it's done now well I, th- I think when you talk about corporate we can't talk about two things so one is the, H- the HSBC the corporate which yep. has a personality has a way of acting the corporation so yep and, and that, and that I, I think they'll always have a big shiny building in Canary Wharf that's kind of their flagpole and where they, they, they kind of you know, their show of strength etc but actually all the work's done by humans and those humans aren't most of them um, aren't aren't a different species. They're just you and me. They just happen to work for a, for a corporate at the moment. And the focus when 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 HSBC is doing a deal with another entity somewhere, there's two people having a conversation. And if those people are going to have more fun, have better meetings, sat in a co-working space, they will. And if they have better meetings, sat in a in a big shiny building with a logo on the outside, then they'll still do that. So I'm getting an idea for a great new co-working space concept well, like this. that's just for headquarters so you could build the most opulent building ever and especially if you could um you could have it you'd have to have signage you have to have some digital signage that could change yeah. so it could be hsbc and it could be I, you, <laughs> you could have ridiculous you could have you know kind of you know what's the thing when you have fire outside the, the columns of a what's that i don't know we, don't, we have it we don't have we don't have that in bristol do you have that in bath <laughs> <laughs> there might be the Roman bathroom. Um, you have the most ridiculously opulent headquarters, but you could share it with a lot of other different corporates. But each one of you would only have a small amount of it. So you could have, I guess, yeah. It's, also it's called Regis, seat. isn't it? 
Well, basically, yeah. <laughs> every CEO, every sort of C-suite could have its own floor. So all your, all your, you know, all your executive stuff, you could just basically have an executive co-working hub. I can imagine the office politics would be horrific because um, each floor would keep wanting to outdoor. I think it's part, part genius, part whatever the Ridiculous. opposite is. The, um, yeah, because the thing that people seem to love about co-working spaces is that they feel at home. It's like when you go to a lot of restaurants nowadays aren't white tablecloth. Yes. There's, there's, there's this thing called informal dining where people have spent a fortune making tables look bashed, ba- bashed and bashed. battered. Bashed is a new word. Um, so they feel at home. And actually, this corporate thing, I'm not sure that, that any there's, any there's many humans who are corporate. It's almost like a thing we pretend to do because we think other people need it. But actually, most of us humans like just cracking on and getting stuff done. You're right. One of the things I, I do really, and again, a lot of this conversation is about the difference between larger companies working within a co-working hub and someone like the Guild, where it tends to be smaller freelancers. We, one of the things we don't have here, which we're quite proud of, is there's never any office politics. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. A lot of people like to, they like the things that we do that reflect what they used to love about working in an office. So the Christmas party, which we had on Friday, was ridiculously busy. We had like 150 people or something insane, and we only have 180 members. So everybody <laughs> wanted oh, wow. to come. But, and, and it's the same, we bought a water cooler. Um, and the water cooler is a cliched office perk, you know, meet at the water cooler, the water cooler moment. Um, but it was the, the thing that was the talking point for last year was the water cooler. It cost us like a five for a month or something. It was insane. But these sort of things that people forget they like about offices. Yeah. They love when they get here. So what we don't have is the, the stuff that people don't like. So the, the office politics. Now, I wonder whether with a corporate based, whether you're more likely to get that because before you answer the, 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 where we do have bigger companies here and we do have a couple of um, we have one anchor tenant we've realised if we had more than that and we've had a couple of members here that have grown very quickly from one person to 10, 11 that have completely changed the nature and the culture of the space overnight yep so how do you think you kind of would or how do you cope with bigger companies feeling that they own the space or feeling that the space yep. is a part of their culture rather than a shared culture that desk lodge so i think yeah i think there's there's two very different things i mean it's the two ends of the of the of the train line so if if hsbc took a huge chunk of space here in the guild then as you say it would change change the nature because they're here with their hsbc hats on being hsbc but if people um someone who happened to work for that employer happened to be based here who cares if they're a freelancer or an employee or a contractor it's it's not the most important the most exciting thing about them as a person so they're, they're just like you and me and they'd be they'd be sat there cracking on getting their work done um and if you so okay so say a mid uh, say a smaller corporate so again it's that definition of corporate isn't it but if you think about in desk lodge a, a 12 person company who has got space in what is a, um, a, sh- a shared environment, how do you cope with the fact that that company may want to socialise together, May their culture may not necessarily fit in exactly with the sort of rhythm and rituals of what you want to do as Desk Lodge, yep. and also with the rhythm and rituals of what other companies might want to do. Now, we standardise a lot of that with Cake Wednesday and that kind of thing, but we do that partly because there's so many small companies here that they look to us to do that stuff. But I'm sure, and luckily, our anchor tenant, the filter, um, partly because we were working there before we came here, they're fairly in line with what we do. I mean, they do do their own stuff as well, but there's never a sense of them and us at all. Whereas I just wonder whether that's ever going to be, or you can see that being a problem where 
larger tenants that look more like traditional tenants are almost being shepherded into having it's like that thing about you know forced to have fun you know, everyone yeah, needs yeah. to stop um, yeah. we find it also when people are people are on the clock so bear in mind employees are one step removed from members so we can't really tell our anchor tenants employees to stop work and have cake yep yeah then look at their boss so how do you how do you deal with that where you so a um, little bit of background. Um, so Desk Lodge is a space in Bristol. It was um, thirteen thousand square feet, now twenty four thousand square feet. So to put, it's roughly five six hundred um, desks and chairs, etc. So it's quite, so it's quite a big space. And within that, the bigger companies <laughs> it's ten times the size of it. <laughs> it's, it's, big, it's quite, it's quite big. The, um, uh, so within that, there's and a big caveat. I don't. I live a long way away from the space, so I'm not actually in the space every day. So an amazing team that do actually actually run the space. Um, but my observation is that there's a whole bunch of different uh, different companies and different company sizes. So there are a lot of freelancers, there are a lot of one-man bands and consultants, etc. But there's also smaller companies, and there's medium, um, and there's even a well-known manufacturer who's got quite a large area there. Um, so, and you're right, they don't all muck in in the same way. But that's kind of okay. That there's there's a um, if you go on if you go on a, on a massive holiday and there's fifty of you, it's okay that not everybody wants to do the, the same thing yeah. at the same time. If there's only six of you, you kind of all need to play the board game or not play the board game. You kind of one one thing. But as you get bigger, then it's okay to have things that people can drop in, drop out, and and it doesn't matter either way because um, not everybody's an extrovert, not everyone's an introvert. So having and it's obviously more complicated than that. Um, so it seems the, to work very well. That there's yeah. so many. So I, it's interesting. So I think about when I was commuting. When I was in London, I used to get on the tube every morning, and I was going to work. So I was going from my personal environment into the mode I was in for the employer I was working at, and everyone around me were, there was, um, you know, was working for the same team, effectively working for the same company. And then when it got to the end of the day, we'd then go out as a team because we we're in London. It was almost every night. Yep. And then you go home. So I guess. The change in that now is where there is this sort of like um, mixing of, of work and play and where there's this kind of like lifestyle thing where you're kind of like a lot of the stuff that you do with personal is at work, um, which you see extremes of things like Google where they, you know, they cook breakfast and all that kind of stuff for people to keep them on site. I wonder whether um, how people that go to work for a bigger company but work in a co-working space, to what extent they see their identity at work as the space and to what identity they see the employer and I imagine it's interesting here. I mean, there is a bit of a, not a dilemma, but there's a bit of a, almost like a sort of battle of loyalty, I think. And we do see it here. We see, you know, people excited by the stuff that we do, but tempered by, as I said before, by the fact they have a job to do for their employer. Yeah. So they're less likely to be more sp- spontaneous, for example. We, something happens and we all gather around a screen to watch something. This is Coworking with Tom Lewis. At risk of going completely off topic, there's... I think Facebook is, is and Instagram things are, are creating this thing where either we have to get incredibly boring because we're terrified of anybody seeing what we've done recently, or we have to accept that we're all humans. And just because I work for X company doesn't mean that I can't go fly fishing at the weekend or go or do whatever I want to do. So I think that's that's the attraction to everybody is the fact that you can actually be a human. You can just you can be a whole yes, bundle so. of, con, con, of different things, and you're not just because because back to your your old life then you had this entire bundle of things that you got in one hit you got your 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 friends your social life your place of work your commute your job all of those are in one bundle and you can't just change one element 
Well, now you can work for a different employer, but still be in the same space, still do hang out with different people, and it's it's. I, I find it quite exciting. That I find it exciting, but I still think there's going to be an interesting clash of cultures at times. So, for example, I'll give you two examples. So, one is, for example, one of you. So, you're in. Let's say we work, which does tend to have more corporate occupiers. So, we work may have a uh, American company. Um, who have American companies tend to have quite a lot of rules over things like fraternisation, things like drinking at work and that kind of thing. And then you've got your UK company also based in there. So you have people that consider themselves to be peers. You might have two coders or something, one of whom is not allowed to drink on a Friday and one of whom is from, from their contract of employment. Yep. So you're going to get some culture clashes there because it's similar to a friend of mine works um, for Shell and she works in London and she works on a team where... I don't know how many, but there's, there's multiple different contracts on the same team because some of them are employed from the US office mm-hmm. and they get like a week's maternity leave. Wow. She gets a year. So she wow. literally works opposite someone else and they're having babies at the same time. And it's like, it's insane. They have completely different packages. So that's within the same company. So I do wonder about, certainly with places like WeWork, where you have you know, formal, established, and yeah, HSBC are moving into WeWork. They may have a completely different policy over... a recreational stuff cultural stuff fraternization i'd just love to know how that when you're in a melting pot of a co-working space and everyone says yeah let's have a beer on a friday and then half the people there are going actually our contract of employment says we're not allowed to drink on company premises <laughs> it's just really interesting yeah but, but i mean for me all those problems still exist but at the moment we're, we're making it easier for people to have different choices so there's that there's that quote that bad managers play play um, drafts and great managers play chess, chess yeah. and about respecting the fact that different people want different things and someone may not be you know, recovering alcoholic and not be able to drink alcohol and other people may you know, not like it etc but if, if you've got a small team and you can only have one social policy you're back to six friends on holiday having to do the same thing yes, together yeah. if you've got a, a much if you've got a bigger space you can offer a whole a whole you know whole range of options and people can pick them and if, they can, can't, if they're not allowed to pick all of them that's okay I think uh, yeah so maybe I suppose what you're saying is it's the corporates that are going to have to relax if they are to work in a co-working environment because traditionally they have had control if you have your empl- when I worked for Mars there was employee handbook was the bible you know you had to they could wow. dictate that they could prescribe and Mars was a great company to work for but they proscribed everything in there so you, you didn't have to think chronically do I have to wear a so-and-so, so-and-so on a certain date it was all in there but I guess what we're saying is part of the compromise if these big companies see the attraction of working in a shared workspace they're going to have to change the way they do business or the way they work with their employees I'd say a tiny bit differently they don't have to change at all they can do exactly what they've always done but talented people have a choice and if they want to attract the best talent they're going to have to offer the best options and money bribery I mean, if you look, if you work out the cost that companies spend on getting people to do horrible commutes, well, why is not is that the best way of attracting people? And money isn't the biggest motivator we know. Well, that was the other thing I was going to ask about. And again, I wonder if you you might not want to talk about this, but if there's anything you've ever had, or whether you could see an issue with, um, so employees for different companies within the space being poached by each other. It's we were talking about this, this, that this week. Um, that that problem will will occur um, and we think that it's okay for people to advertise jobs I mean, jobs are advertised in many ways in many places it's not like that's not an, a bad thing you're not taking a commission are you for a... no no, no, no. <laughs> um, we, we are setting up a job board um, right. and we find that there's a lot of people that say my current employer won't let me work here i will leave my current employer to join somebody based yeah. here can you, you let me know i hate my employer or i'm <laughs> they, but yeah, they, they certainly, yeah. But, but to have a job board where where people and, and that shows that talent 
with a choice would rather work with someone that's giving them better options than than people that won't so um, so so our, our decision was that um aggressive poaching isn't appropriate no. but how on earth do you define that no so we don't end up with all these all these new social norms all these new ways of doing stuff but i'm excited that we've we've got moved far enough away that we've got that that yeah opportunity and the old everyone ever working the coal mine arriving at the same time in the morning one employer in town yes we've moved to a place of choice i think and and choice does bring bring problems but good ones have you this is a bit off topic as well but have you got an opinion on um well there's two ways of looking at this an opinion on either the idea of certain types of people within a corporate working with other people of that type in different corporate so for example if you've got if you're a 10 person company and you've only got one creative or one web designer if that web designer wants to go and sit with other web designers from other companies so you have effectively uh, an area in the co-working space which is more creative because they may want to be around more creative people the second thing which I'm, i'd love to do in a new space i'd love to have a, a, an opportunity to have all the techies sitting together if they want to but the other thing is whether you've ever thought about offering as an external service to companies um, uh, services that they all need. So, for example, external sales, tally sales, that kind of yep. thing. Something we've considered here. Is that either of those two? So, I, I love and hate this topic, as in I think it's about segregation. It's about, it's not about segregation, but it's about clustering, forcing people into clusters if you take it to too far an extreme. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm per- personally like, like the idea of, like a village pub, everyone's in the same pub because where else would they go but that thing where everybody's welcome and people have different skills and different things at the same time as yes if you've got people that are are in the same sector or doing similar roles there's there's value in being around so i'd 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 personally dislike the idea of a monoculture where everyone's exactly Mm. the same but having having a cluster that embraces everyone's welcome but there's more people of a certain type or, or people are encouraged to connect in different ways so i think i've completely avoided an answer there. Do you, I've sat um, on the, fence. Uh, the second bit of it do you um offer any kind of like outsourced even phone answering and that kind of thing do you do so we don't we um one of the things i think is happening a lot at the moment is people are are setting up firms that specialize in doing mm. one thing very 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 well um, and if we tried to get involved in that we'd be distorting the market and we'd be competing with our own people so so we we love it and we're trying to work out better ways to connect people but we're not going to get involved in that bit ourselves we think our job is to create an amazing environment and yeah. then for people to to just crack on and get good stuff done the only thing i have been tempted to do is to look into hiring a centralized sales resource because and partly for us it's a bit different with us because our members tend to be tech and creative so i really want to explore probably in the new year about the idea of um having a single because a lot of our members don't like doing sales yeah um and then you have the added thing that they're all doing something quite similar so if you find i mean what you might have to do is make a list of people that don't actually compete so you have one video person you have one web designer you have one copywriter and one of the things because i've got background in sales I guess one of the things, as a salesperson, if I was employed to do that job, and you phone someone up, the worst thing is cold calling is when you phone up with one specific thing. So I do this one specific thing, and it's a one in a million chance that you might be looking for that at this time. Yep. Whereas if you have a portfolio of, of people who do similar stuff, you can make that same phone call and say, I represent an entire community of people who do tech and creative stuff. There's probably something we do that you need right now, but I'm making you one phone call. So if you're a good yep. salesperson, a good 
good uh, relationship builder, you can say, I represent this this whole community. It's brilliant, you know. And when you get then get them in, and that you do some work with them, it is likely then that they'll trust you and want to do business with the rest of the hub. That's one idea. I mean, that's something that I've looked into doing. Um, but again, like you say, it's it, the counterpoint to that is you're getting off the point. Yeah, of it's it's a great business for somebody whether that's you or one of your members is, is, a, is a separate question but so we've we've seen that examples of that where a freelancer comes in and and, and and becomes a member and then quite rapidly they end up with a gang around them yeah and sometimes that gang is a gang of freelancers sometimes they'll start hiring people sometimes they'll, they'll often sub work out to other people so you end up it's almost impossible to draw a line around the company because there's a, there's 20 people who are working together in different ways but it's not formalized well, it's a whole just, virtual agency model i suppose yeah, isn't it yeah, yeah the I've just want a gig and they need some video work. You're a video guy, can you help? Yes, yeah. I guess there is a either you um, you embrace that culturally or you embrace it commercially, I suppose is the answer. And one of the things we found is the actual initial phone calling bit, regardless of how great they are and how much they want to have an agency, the actual getting on the phones and selling bit, which is the essential bit of any business and stops people growing if they don't do it, is the bit they don't want to do. And yep. they can't afford to take on a salesperson. But if they, yeah, it's interesting. I say it's something in the new year we're going to look at. Um, and if you divide the number of members by the cost of employing a salesperson, it becomes fairly minimal. And the, the, other, hope. the other thing, I've, I've seen a few friends start virtual agencies. And one of the, cha- the two challenges seem to be, it's very geeky for a moment, um, one is counterparty risk. Who, who, are, who are clients actually signing up with? And the yeah. other is cost of sales. Everybody's happy to do the job. Everybody's happy to, to you know, give it a half-page quote. Nobody wants to be up at two in the morning doing a massive PowerPoint deck. And it's yeah. just trying to work out a model that does that. And, and I'll add to that. Project yeah. management seems to be the thing. So okay, it's yes. accountability yes. for project management. So yes. everybody seems to... And we've, no, we've noticed that some people here have tried to do a virtual agency. They're all very passionate about doing their bit, but keeping the thing on track and being the single point of contact. And it's yes. the sales thing. It's the account management. Yep. And because they're creatives, they don't think people should... And this is the whole thing about people hating salespeople. <laughs> it's a bit like estate agents. Everyone hates them, but without them, it, the whole process and transactions would grind to a halt. It's just the people that keep things going. Um, other people that creatives don't think they need sometimes. Um, and when we've seen virtual agencies, that's where it's got stuck. There the, the was an interesting thing. It used to be that, uh, that companies basically wanted to you know, get me McKinsey. They wanted to hire the big logo that made them feel safe. Now, I'm, I'm hearing um, anecdotally that, that, that buyers, corporate buyers, are saying, just get me the best people. I don't yeah. care if they're one-man band. I don't care about that. I want the people. Because if I hire McKinsey, all that will turn up, again, is a bunch of humans. So just find me those humans, but not without the four grand day rates. Yes, and I guess the McKinsey model is that you, it's about risk, isn't it? The whole, no one got fired for buying IBM thing again. It's like, we know if we hire these people, they're not going to let us down or let me down as a middle manager (laughs) who's hired them. Um, So yeah, and I guess you get that filter. The problem, and this comes back to the same thing as a virtual agency. The other problem with with virtual agency is quality of work. If If we had a dedicated resource here selling and even project managing, and then one of the um, virtual agency providers, one of the actual creative people, then let us down. Yes. We're then the ones that take the rap, and that can damage our own brand. Yes, and how do you? And also, how, how do you deal with the fact that you've just fired someone or chosen to stop working with them, and they sat two desks away, <laughs> and you're paying them rent every month? Yes. So, it's, yeah. um, so separating yeah. those commercial uh, commercial relationships, I guess, as well. Um, yeah. Well, we better finish. I think we've done 31 minutes of what's meant really? to be a 16 minute podcast. Oops. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, got James, uh, the uh, podcast producer, sitting over there. He's actually waving at us. Um, yeah, we'll probably keep talking forever. We'll just do this again. Um, Love maybe to. Maybe with beer next time. I think it'd be um, maybe a quieter jumper. You can't... You, so, this is that's definitely a cardigan for radio. That's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no one listening can see it, but imagine the worst Christmas jumpers 
the worst ten jumpers you've ever seen cut into strips and sewn back together again. That is what is before me. But it me. is it's fair trade acrylic. I like you know it's um finest it's acrylic. It's been carefully knitted by children um, for children. I don't know why the Christmas trees are up. Oh, are they upside down? No, they're not upside down. Are they? They're covered in snow. Anyway, it's yeah. horrific. Um, and yeah, I think there may be a photo of this. <laughs> this uh, jumper online somewhere but yeah um, we're, we're 32 minutes in now so yeah if, well, usual stuff that I always forget to say subscribe on all the all the major services iTunes I think is the main one um, and yeah and next time we'll talk about something that actually relates to the title we talk about at the start I promise that will happen and sometime. Twitter handles mine are at near desk at desk lodge and at tumble number two who's tumble number one uh, I just picked it years ago, and I was just stuck with it. So I'm just—I am just Tom Ball Two now. I'm Tom Lewis UK, which is not Tom Lewis, but Tom Lewis UK. I'm actually at Cowork Inc, and we're at Cowork in Bath, um, as in the Guild. But yeah, Tom—I've got the email TomLewis at gmail dot com, which means I get a lot of email meant for other people constantly. Oh. I was thinking of doing like a one-man stand-up show about it. it re- I'm on some insane mailing list. I'm on a, a, a fraternity house in America that's got some sort of scandal going on I'm cc'd into everything so is that an invite for our Christmas gift to you to just sign you up to a new more random mailing list <laughs> you've ever been on before yeah I accept so um, yeah thanks very much Tom for coming in um, and have a uh, happy Christmas and yeah everyone happy holidays I think the Americans say don't they so to be all inclusive cheers mate cheers bye bye You've been listening to Coworking with Tom Lewis. Subscribe and listen to previous episodes at soundcloud.com slash coworking. Coworking returns next week.